I'm gonna enjoy my chicken nuggets. It's 2023. Welcome, Secret Movie Clubbers. It's wonderful to be with you. Today on Secret Movie Club Podcast 134, we are going to be talking about what we did in 2022, our winter break. Who is with us today? Oh, uh, I, I have so much time to think of a 2023 intro. I didn't do it. Hey, it's Daniel. See, I've updated mine. Oh my gosh, I've had a breakdown. I'm adding to it. Hey gamers, it's me, Connor Lloyd Cruz, the people's champion. And I'd like to introduce my good friend who's on all these podcasts, America's sweetheart, Edwin Gomez. Yay! I'm still going to do it. Hello, America. Just another, I just, teed you up for that perfectly. I, I just, let, me, just let me have my thing. Just let me have my moment, okay? I'm letting you okay. have it. Hello, America. It's a new year. New insanities. New movies. Nothing can stop it. Not even God. Would it be too much to say, what's up, secret movie Welcome back. Another year, 2023. <laughs> I think that's pushing Whoa. it. I don't want to change my brand too much, but if I did, I'd probably do that. Whoa, that, I don't know. That might take off or it might not. That could be new merch. <laughs> not hearing much response, guys. Are we, are we not for this? Well, look at you drop a mind bomb like that. I gotta, I gotta absorb the radiation. I'm sorry. You gotta think about it. It's a thinker. I, I get that. I, I respect that. <laughs> and I'm Craig uh, Hamill, the founder programmer of Secret Movie Club. It is wonderful to have uh, you here, Secret Movie Club audience, and wonderful to have the gang all back together again. By the time you hear this, Secret Movie Clubbers, it's going to be January 20th. And tonight, both on 35 millimeter, we are going to be showing two Spike Jones joints being John Malkovich and Adaptation. By the way, everything I'm saying is all on 35 millimeter. So uh, both Joneses are on 35 tonight and it's selling out. So I don't know by the time you hear this if it'll be sold out or not. But please come. We'd love to have you um, as long as it's not sold out. And then uh, tomorrow, Saturday, we are doing three of Alfred Hitchcock's first sound movies, Blackmail, which actually started as a silent picture. And then they transferred over and, and redid it with sound. Uh, murder and the very strange actually murders the very strange one and then number 17 which has tons of trained model work and alfred hitchcock playing with special effects and then next wednesday is our open mic short night for january by the time you hear this submissions will be closed but you can always come and attend we're going to have la filmmakers uh, showing their movies and the competition theme is openings or beginners and I'm actually going to be showing the opening to my feature film, The Afterworld Game. And I'm going to beta test it on that audience. <laughs> on 35? On 35? No, on Edwin, 35? I'm editing it right now, homie. Oh. It'll be from a 4K scan. It'll look nice, but... It's not a print, though. Yeah, there we go. Edwin, giving me that positive, constructive criticism of filmmaker. Hey, Craig, your art's actually worthless uh, until it's on the print. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. You guys keeping me, keeping me frisky. I got to fight. Fight for my right. Look, it may be a turkey. We'll see. We'll see what the audience says. And then uh, Thursday, we finish our Jackass uh, Reconsideration Cinema miniseries with Jackass 3. No, we don't think we're going to be able to do it in 3D. I apologize. But Ooh. if that changes, you'll know. And then Jackass Forever, which just came out last year. And we're actually announcing some more events February 1st, we're going to be doing uh, Moonlight and Portrait of a Lady on Fire as our first double bill for the Heart Wants series. We think on 35, we're doing Grease and Dirty Dancing for people who want that date night to be just tons of fun and musical. 
And then I haven't actually even announced this, but it's confirmed. We think also on 35 at the end of February, we're doing Thelma and Louise and Bound. Ooh. Yeah. How's that? How's them apples? I see. Uh, and I got actually more, but I'll save it for the next podcast. As always, you can write us at community at secretmovieclub.com. Go to Eventbrite to see our whole schedule. And you can just go to secretmovieclub.com to see everything we're doing. We have many more announcements to come. And there you go. Moving on. So we are recording this early January, 2023. We actually keep a pretty aggressive podcast schedule, which I'm grateful for, actually. We're not yet doing the Johnny Carson thing where we're just like replaying old podcasts and taking two days off. By the way, that guy hosted 30 years and the show was an hour and a half for the first 20 of those years. So he absolutely deserved to take those days off. But we record a podcast a week, actually all 52 weeks. <laughs> and then we just store some of them for our winter break. And then we store some of them uh, for a summer break, usually. Uh, and it depends. But we have all been gone from this podcast for about a month. So that entailed December and early January. It's now 2023. Let's just go around the horn. Uh, what do you guys do over your inner break? What did you see? What are your thoughts on 2022? Take it where you will, cinematically. Well, one, I got a cold. It was the first time I got sick since pre-COVID, because I guess all the masks and stuff over the years had actually kept me pretty well insulated from getting any sort of cold. You were too powerful for a while. Movie-wise, I, I have a couple of things to get to, but I, I did want to show off, non-movie-wise, I, my big Christmas present this year was this big box I got. I've decorated with stickers for my Marvel Champions game. They can attest to how big the box is. And it's very heavy. I'm going to pull this out. It's like the size of uh, potentially larger than a human torso. Like a birthday cake for the nephew of a Kardashian. It's huge. Got all the cards inside of it all organized. It's got the nice little dividers. It looks like an old baseball card holder in the best way. It makes me a little nostalgic. It totally is. Uh, it's for this, uh, the game Marvel Champions that I've talked about a bunch over the years. And I actually, I actually just ordered a second one because it all fits in here, but it will soon within the next year not. And if I get a second one, it'll be good for years. And then to not literally sound like I'm talking about the exact same thing twice in a row, I've also been playing Marvel's Midnight Suns, which is a video game that is a card-based, Marvel-based strategy RPG, really fun by the guys who made the XCOM games. Connor, the first thing you mentioned is a board game, correct? Yeah. Marvel Champions is a is a card game, board game, tabletop game, and Midnight Suns is a video game. And how many people play the board game? Uh, you can do up to four people, and you can actually play it alone because it's it's a cooperative game. And so you can play with up to four characters, which you could split among four people. Or me and me and my buddy Paul play it a lot with four characters, with each of us playing uh, two characters. Paul, who was on our podcast? Yeah, we we play that. We been playing through there was an x-men campaign that came out last year and we've been playing through that in terms of movies the two things i wanted to mention is one i watched this movie called Bloodbeat, is a 1982 supernatural slasher on wikipedia it describes it as it, the plot focuses on a young couple attending a family gathering for christmas in a rural home when a spirit wearing samurai armor begins killing members of the family two of whom have psychic abilities it's a very strange, very weird, very um, Wisconsin Canadian, like that upper part of the country uh, movie. Uh, you look right at home in it right now, Craig, actually, like you could have been in one of the many, many hunting scenes 
in Bloodbeat. Did you say it was uh, in Canada? I think it was in Wisconsin. It might have oh. been made by Canadians, though. But it has that kind of thing where I feel like there's certain areas in the north of the U.S. that kind of blend with Canada when I think of them like culturally and aesthetically, vibe-wise, you know. I also wanted to say, coming out the week we're recording this as a Temple of Doom defend this movie with Craig and Craig's buddy, Steve. Steve took like 14 notes, I guess, of things he didn't like about Temple of Doom. And while editing this two hour long podcast, I took a bunch of <laughs> notes of rebuttals. I'm not gonna, you know what, Like now that I'm like in the moment, I don't really wanna read this because it's just, I feel like I, I should say this to his face. Uh, you know Connor, what I mean? Connor, you, you, do, do you want to translate for you the feelings that you want to say, that how he's wrong, that Temple of Doom is great, that it's amazing, and the ripping out the heart sing is awesome, and the score is badass? That is one of my things, is that the ripping out heart ripping out scene rules. You know, it's just a, a lot of what I thought was thinking that the devil was in the details, but missing, and you're like this, Craig that God is in the big picture. I'm listening. You got my attention. I just love that movie because it is so different than the other ones. Its differences and the things that make it not like Raiders are its strengths. Also, I was thinking a lot about how um, someone posted online something about how uh, after watching The Fablemans and the way Spielberg depicts his own mom, it's funny watching Temple of Doom and Kate Capshaw's performance and thinking about Spielberg being like, this is the woman I'm going to marry. I feel like there's definitely a connection there, like a vibe. So Temple of Doom is is a classic because of its Oedipal undertones? Is that the, the argument? I'm not saying it's a classic because of that. That's more just like an aside. That's just like funny to think about. Craig, does your buddy listen to this podcast? No, not really. Give him this message to me. Like, Temple of Doom is great, buddy. You sound like a new New York subway. Anything else, Connor? Well, I, last thing I wanted to do, I wanted to keep up with a tradition I've done. We think we've done this pod every year of the podcast. And I think I've done this every year of the podcast. I want to give a brief overview of what, for my movie night, what we watched last year. We started with Plan 9 from Outer Space. We did Fast Five, Psycho Gorman, New York Ninja, nice. Gremlins 2, The New Batch. Apologies to Craig and Morgan Freeman, but we did a Black History Month, which started with Petey Wheatstraw, nice. Candyman, Farewell to the Flesh, Far out. Diary of a Mad Black Woman, Ouch. and uh, Chuck Turner. Nice. Does Morgan Freeman make the same point I do? I thought you always quote Morgan Freeman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Just so people know what you're talking about is that it, it shouldn't just be Black History Month. It should be Black History Year. But keep going, sorry. I just like that you put me in the same sentence as Morgan Freeman. We started in March. We did Dragnet. Nice. We did a movie called The Leprechauns Game for St. Patty's Day, which was is that a porno? Terrible. No, it's it's lower quality than most pornos. Uh, in memory of Leo Fong, who passed away last year, we watched uh, Low Blow. We watched Action USA. Nice. We watched UHF nice. for Easter. We watched Stigmata. We watched a movie called Get Even or Get Even or Champagne and Bullets. It has a bunch of other names. I would not recommend that one. That's like the worst example of one of those movies that's clearly a man who wants to film naked women. Like Brian De Palma? Yeah. Uh, we, well, those are the good examples. We watched Torque. We did a Keanu series with Freaked. Constantine, Johnny Mnemonic, and A Scanner Darkly. We watched Food Fight. For our two-year anniversary, we did Money Plane, which is our favorite movie of the previous year, and Fateful Findings. We did Morbius, Masters of the Universe, 
Serial Mom for the 4th of July. We did the Great Bikini Offroad Adventure. We did a series of shrinking movies with The Incredible Shrinking Man, Inner Space, The Incredible Shrinking Woman, and Doll Man, which started our full moon run for the year, which continued in Head of the Family. We did Miami Connection, The Fantastic Four, Predator 2, Surf Nazis Must Die. On September 12th, we did a movie called Remember Me. We did Bad Channels. For Halloween, we did House on Haunted Hill, the remake, After Last Season, Death Ship, Bad Ben, Sweet Home, and a double feature of Martyrs and Deadly Lessons. We did a triple of shorts with Ratatouille, Creating Rem Lazar, and Look Well. We did Stone Cold, Demonic Toys. For Christmas, we did The Lock-In. Of course, we did Christy, Santa's First Female Reindeer, Bloodbeat, Krampus, and we ended the year with our patron saint, Neil Breen, and his film, I Am Here Now. Did I ever tell you my Surf Nazis Must Die story? When I was in junior high, sixth grade, which was the worst year I ever had in school. I was miserable. I got bullied by everybody and I wasn't funny enough or badass enough to either beat them up or use my wit. I just took it silently and had no idea how to respond and was miserable. Somebody in my group of friends at lunch, I said, there's a movie called Surf Nazis Must Die because I would always see it at the video store. And my friend was like, BS, that movie doesn't exist. And I was like, no, it does. And I, I wasn't like assertive enough to just be like, whatever, I don't care. And nor could I let it go. I was like, no, no, there was. He's like, I'll bet you. And I was like, fine, I bet you. It's like five bucks or whatever it was. And I went to my local video store and I couldn't find it. And I told my mom and I was really bummed. And I went the next day or two days later. I was like, well, I couldn't find it. He was like, well, you owe me five bucks. And that day my mom came at lunch and she had gone to every video store in Orange <laughs> County till she found it. And she Xerox copied the cover and she put it in my hands. And it was the cover of Surf Nazis Must Die. And I showed it to my friend. He did not give me the gratification of, of being like, oh, you're right. Here's your five bucks. He suddenly just was like, oh, whatever. And then like walked away. But I learned two important things. One, don't look to other people for your gratification. Secondly, my mom was amazing. Thank you, mom. And third, I was like, okay, I know it existed. I didn't even need to get into it with this guy. F this guy. Like, I knew it existed. What does it matter what he thinks? I can't control other people. Yeah, that's why I'm doing the thing with Temple. I'm taking the high road here. 2022, that's uh, it's a good year. Year of the pictures. Year of the movies. You know how many movies I saw last year? I, I send this to Daniel so I could spite him because he saw. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Now there's there's a different Jeff to distinct. There's the number of movies that were on in the room you were in, and there's the number of movies <laughs> yeah. you watched, well, and well, they're well, very guess, different well, numbers. Guess, well, guess what? You weren't there to see all this, man. Nobody was. So anyway, I saw seven hundred major motion pictures last year. That's a thousand two hundred fifty nine point eight movies. Do you mean hours? Yeah. The, in uh, grade school, do you remember when you would read books and then you would have to take a test on it to prove that you read the book? Oh, sure. I yeah. feel like I want to do that with Edwin in movies. Anyways. So let me ask you something. What? Where was your time for, for romancing? Where was your time for living? Where was your time for having adventures? The adventures was in the theaters. It was in the picture house. That fair and enough. in Burbank and in Hollywood, which I've frankly gone to. And, that, and on that note, I've been on a major poster run, man. Oh, surprise. I discovered a new poster store in the heart of Hollywood. Even though you work at another poster store? Look, man, I'm doing my thing, all right? I'm doing my thing called Hollywood Movie Posters. Really close to the place you work at? No, it's not. It's not. It's quite – actually, it's 17 minutes away. I mean the title. Well, anyway, anyway. It's right across the street from uh, Scientology and uh, Egyptian. So put that on your radar. They're going to get you one day. They already did, and they failed. I'm pretty happy with the posters I got. You know, I got Orca the Killer Whale, 
I got the King of Comedy. I got Nighthawks. I got Beyond the Poseidon Adventure. I got Michael Mann's The Key poster. I've just been cruising, man. And I got Martin Scorsese's Bringing Out the Dead poster. So, you know, I'm just limited, man. Oh, by the time this comes out, I would have gone to the Steven Spielberg thing uh, this week. Oh, yeah. Uh, Spielberg and John Williams. Yeah. That's yeah, historic, yeah, man. Yeah. Good for you. I'm going to that, but I will not be sitting with Edwin. Oh, no, you're not? Oh, great, because you're going to be in back of the line. That's fine. He's on stage moderating. I'm going to be there. I'm going to astral project into the room. Do it, dude. We haven't even gotten into astral projection. We should just do a whole pod on astral projection. <laughs> hey, when they added that to The Last Jedi, people got mad. You know, I saw a lot of great movies last month, last year. Name two. Uh, Banshee's been assuring the Northman. Actually, not. I didn't like the Northman. Uh, oh, I, I saw Vinyl Night, which is pretty cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Cute. <laughs> it's a great movie. It's fantastic. They made the good call. David Harper as Daddy Santa Claus. For Christmas, my lovely aunt and my grandma got me the one Christmas gift I always wanted because a certain someone didn't get that for me because they know I love Kung Fu. I got the Shaw Brothers Volume 1 set for Christmas, and I just have been having fun with it. Edwin's been gaslighting me for the last few months that I told him I would buy him that. For my birthday. Yeah. My birthday. At some point, he he put out, he tr- he tried to put out into the world that I was, in fact, buying this for him. I've never spoken these words. No, he, he's done that to me, too. But he's very upset with me. You're not alone. I would say, uh, I only, t- I, I, Edwin's I, like oh Donald God. Trump. Just say you win, <laughs> even if you lose. He's sort of like adding on to recover from our trauma. <laughs> Well, well, anyway, the best one of that set was called Chinatown Kid, which is so f***ing cool. It's a great, great movie that I've never even heard of. It's awesome. You've already used your quote of F-bombs for 2023 in this one podcast. Well, I'm still going, man. I'm still going. I can't be stopped. You can't, <laughs> you can't let me Bruce me, man. You can't let me Bruce me. Take the shot. We're going to stop him. <laughs> Uh, I spent the holidays road tripping cross country to visit friends and family. I thought you were going to say tripping balls on hallucinogenics. If the weather wasn't so combative, a consideration. My wife and my child, my dog, Gremlin, Kevin, we uh, set out east. We stopped up in Utah. We went to Colorado. We went to Chicago. We went to Detroit. We went to Indianapolis. We went to Tulsa. We went to Santa Fe. Stayed a few days in each. Uh, It was a very long time to be away. Uh, it was nice. Wow. How was that? That's a huge road trip. It was, it was actually a really great experience. I love driving, I got to be honest. So it was lovely and some very cool places. I'd, I'd like to go back to some of those places. I've been to, to most of them, but I'd like to go spend some more time in some of them when it's not 20 degrees and pouring snow. The timing of weather was bad. But then I came back to LA and it's been a tsunami of a torrential downpour of rain ever since. So it's just been following me. But in that, I, I didn't watch a lot of stuff. I got to be honest. I did catch some notable things that I, I, I really loved. Uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, I thought was was pretty stunning. We've already talked about Glass Onion. It rules. My in-laws reaction to RRR was a thing of beauty. We showed him it without any context and they were so into it. I ended the year watching the 97 Brendan Fraser George of the Jungle with my nephew. It's my last movie, which was a, a fun time. And I caught the new Avatar, which I really dug. I had a really good time with the new Avatar. 
the last hour of it is some of in a filmography of great action directing. The last hour of that movie is some of James Cameron's best work. Wow. It is very cool in in the set piece world. I want to see it. I, I want to go on the record. I mean, I'm a Cameron fan. I would say if you're going to do it, you should go see it at a Dolby Cinema in 3D with the high frame rate. It is bizarre. I kind of hate a lot of it in terms of that world, but I feel like you won't be able to replicate that if you don't catch that in theaters. And it is just such a staggering thing what fr- is he shooting at 120 frames per second 48 not as much as gemini man I yeah i was about to say yeah well and it, it's interesting because the way he edits it together is that action beats are in 48 and dialogue beats are in 24 you feel insane because it looks like the movie's lagging when it cuts back to 24 because it takes a little bit for your brain to process and it'll do it mid-scene so we're having a shootout and it cuts to a close-up of someone saying something and that's in 24 your brain can't catch up fast enough and i was talking to some friends and they were like it looks sometimes it looked a little weird and i was like okay because for me every time it changed i was just like what the what's happening but i I think to most of the audience i think it just looked interesting i I was curious how that would react but i I would say my my biggest takeaway is the seamless blending of like we have all these major major cgi blockbusters these days we're very used to it i think and it's been a while since i've been so completely sort of swept into the seamless quality of what i was seeing that there's like very tall blue creatures running side by side with humans. And I need a a shot breakdown to know what was real and what was just fully CGI because of the way he does things. And I think that's really impressive because you quit thinking about it. You're more like you're just in. And there's all these close up shots that are just my brain. It don't make sense. I need a, a Blu-ray. I need to know because my brain can't comprehend. Good time. That road trip, though, sound. I mean, kudos to you. I, I feel like. You know, and obviously it's beyond the means of mo- a lot of people, but you never regret, I've never regretted any road trip I've ever taken. I love a road trip. Yeah. Road trips are always, they get you out of your head. They get you out of where you are. You see the world. Uh, I remember, it's funny. I was, <laughs> I don't know how people feel about this, but it was instructive. I go through TikTok, although I'm really, this is like a monologue for another time. Uh, I find TikTok equally fascinating and mega disturbing. And so I'm really trying to deal with that because I can lose 30 minutes to it and be like, what did I just do? I want those 30 minutes back. And at the same time, I can also get little snippets and bits and, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that was a funny stand-up comedy bit. Oh, that was an amazing, that guy surfing the wave in Portugal or whatever. But um, Louis C.K. was on Tom Segura's and his wife's um, podcast. And they were asking him, they were like, so you've just been through a lot. You'd have to listen to it. You can find it. You know, if anybody doesn't know, I'm sure people do, but Louis C.K., basically a few years ago, it came out that he was openly masturbating on phone calls and in front of female comics. And uh, many of those female comics voiced their discomfort at this. And Louis C.K., like, he had a movie that never came out, and uh, he disappeared for a while. And then he's come back in the last year. He just did a stand-up comedy special called Sorry, and he's talking about it. And I just, I guess I should say, because I haven't done a lot of studying into what exactly occurred there, I can't comment on it. I need to study more about it. But he was on this podcast and he said something interesting that when you go through something like that, you realize how important nature is, which I thought was like a really interesting comment. He said like he would go into restaurants and things and he was trying to find a way to apologize and finding a way to come back from this shame and this embarrassment and have a second act. And he said that actually just going for walks and like looking at mountains and stuff would help him 
figure out how he was going to do this. I wish I could say this better because I realized I just walked into a minefield uh, <laughs> bringing, <laughs> bringing this up. I really need to study it. But I thought it was an interesting comment because a lot of people go through whether it's through the consequences of their actions or something happens or whatever, we all go through these gauntlets. And I thought that was very interesting to say. I've, I've never regretted going on a road trip or, you know, going to the mountains or taking a hike. Uh, it does always sort of clear your mind. So sorry, Daniel. I, I don't even know where that monologue was going. I got to figure that <laughs> one out. Uh, <laughs> I love road trips. My family, we take uh, uh, at least two road trips a year. And when I was a kid, uh, we would take a road trip every summer, and it's uh, always been a part of my life, and uh, I love it. So I highly recommend that if people can, cost you gas. My dad works for the airline. It's so weird because I associate vacations and stuff with driving because it was such a pain, even when it was made affordable by by him doing that. It was such a pain to take children on planes, and he was like, we're going to drive. It's so much easier to drive. And so, yeah, I have a, I have a sweet nostalgia for, for road tripping. It's like if you stop in an airport, you don't feel like you've seen a city. But if you spend a few days, if you go visit like a new country, I think it, there's a lot of value in exploring like just the one. Because if, if you spend a few days there, you start to feel, you like understand the energy of it a little bit. You need time to acclimate. And then I think it's a really rewarding thing. We just recently drove to my uh, cousin's wedding in Colorado and back with the family. I, I have to second that. You don't really understand how vast Nevada is and what a fascinating state Nevada is until you drive through Nevada. And you're like, holy moly, a quarter of this state is government property we'll never be able to venture onto. You hear that. You kind of know about Area 54, 51, sorry, sorry, Area 51. But uh, when you drive through Nevada, you're like, here's Vegas, here's Reno, here's Carson City. And there is a whole bunch of small roads that I'm not going to get off of that is government property. And then, I, you know, it's only through road tripping that I realized how beautiful Arizona is. When you think about Arizona, you tend to think, oh, Phoenix, maybe. But actually, Arizona's got Sedona. It's got Monument Valley, you know, Tombstone and Yuma down south and Jerome. And then up north, it's got pine forests and snow. Uh, it's really a fascinating state. Yeah, I can see all that in Fortnite. So, <laughs> but, but Craig, don't, don't forget the one thing about Arizona, man. Yeah, Spielberg grew up there. No, no, the other guy. Who's the other guy? He did a series on it, man. Did a year-long series on that guy. Kirk Cameron? Homie, I just said Monument Valley. I wish you would. Why don't you pay attention? I said Monument Valley. John Ford's Monument Valley. No, I call it I John Ford it. Land. That seems more respectable. John Ford Land. Yes. That's John Ford's land. Well, I don't think Mr. Ford would say I, that. I know. I know. I just, just go off it. Just go off it. I think he would say it's it. largely Navajo land that he was lucky enough to shoot on. Yeah, man. Uh, it, I mean, this is a very intense time. So I feel uh, maybe in the interest of good radio or good podcasting. So I'm just working to edit my movie for any filmmakers out there. You cannot mess with the pipeline and workflow of post-production. Anybody who's ever done that, if you're impatient about that stuff, it can create nightmares. I cut a trailer, actually, of the movie. I showed it to Edwin. Edwin saw a trailer of the movie because Edwin won't lie. Our movie doesn't have tons of footage. I think we shot a three-to-one or four-to-one the whole time. So this is the Afterworld game. Um, for a movie that we, we think is going to end up at about 90 minutes, I probably looked at five to seven hours of footage. But it's it's amazing when you're editing, and I love editing, and I believe when you edit, you have to look at everything, everything. I'm not just looking at like circled takes. 
I look at takes that I didn't like. I look at takes that we cut on. I look at before the slate. I look at after the slate. I look at every single thing that we shot and recorded. I went through all the audio too, because ultimately when you're going to edit a movie, you have to know everything you have because that's what you have. We don't have money for reshoots. (laughs) So whatever the movie is, it is now. And that took a long time. And then I wanted to dive into editing it, but I was like, you know what? Because I went to film school. I got to talk to Photocam. I got to talk to the lab. I got to talk to my post-production sound supervisor. I needed to find out, is it 24 frames per second or 23,997 non-drop frame? What are the specs that I have to set this up in? Can I deliver you an EDL list out of Adobe Premiere Pro? Or do I need to switch to Avid, even though I'm not a huge Avid fan? Is the metadata there? If I want a negative cut, can I take the keyframes from the metadata or do I have to have a window burn? Like all this stuff. I know that sounds mind numbing, but that is the other side of that. Like I have a feeling that James Cameron is a Zen master at this stuff where James Cameron totally realizes that that's as much filmmaking as anything else. I don't have tons of patience for that stuff, but I, I know that you you have to if you want to be a serious filmmaker. See, I, I found, not to, not to like say anything, but I shot a movie on um, eight millimeter, 16 millimeter in, in college. I forget, I think it was eight millimeter and I edited it on film. The way I edited it was I ran it through the thing, like the physical editor. Yeah, the moviola. Yeah, I ran it through the moviola and videotaped it, edited that digital version made like a list of where all the cuts would be and did all that. And I, I always found that, which is not exactly what you're talking about, but kind of a similar sort of like technical problem solving. And I always find that stuff very satisfying, weirdly. I, I agree. I love the problem solving nature of it. And I'm this isn't actually a kvetch session for me. It, it's maybe me speaking to myself in a kind of verbal prayer, which is that uh, I'm about to edit. (laughs) I'm about to edit the feature. I have a timeline and I want the picture lock to be able to hand it off to my sound designer and to hand it off to the VFX team because there are some visual effects shots. And I want to make sure that the pipeline and the workflow is set. But there's more than that. My family got sick. I still have to raise a lot of money, both for Secret Movie Club and for the movie. There's a lot of stress going on. That's what I mean by an intense time. Uh, We all got sick over the break, so we couldn't go see family. But my mother-in-law came up from El Salvador, my suegra. And my my son, Craigie, wanted only Spanish spoken in the house, which was like really, (laughs) I was, he he made me really proud. He would look at me and he'd be like, Espanol, papi. And I'd be like. (laughs) Damn, that's the opposite of me. Jesus. (laughs) I know, but then Craigie can understand Spanish and speak a little. He, I'm really impressed with him, but he, you know, he's still learning. So it was funny. He was like, Espanol. And then we would speak in Spanish and he would be like, see, sí? dos leches, por favor. Yo quiero comer cereal. Video juegos. <laughs> and I was like, Craigie, you told us to speak in Spanish. To Connor's suggestion. Connor, you want to tee us up instead of our pop culture and final thoughts as we normally do for our first podcast of 2023? We are going to. Yeah, just we can talk about the energies we want to bring to the year, the resolutions we may have, uh, any goals that we would like to share. I can kick us off. I've got I've got a couple. Out the back. <laughs> um, one, <laughs> one, one is to you okay there, Gramps. To, <laughs> hey, you didn't you didn't do a double shift last night, okay? I'll be honest. I think Craig probably did. I want to write more, which I have started doing. I'm working on something that I'm not going to talk too much about. I think Daniel and Craig are probably like me in that sense. I like to 
publicly work in quiet. I like to like pull people aside and tell people about stuff because it's, it's interesting to get reactions. I want to be less assuming about like other people's motives, especially when it comes to friends. I think that's something I've noticed I'm really bad about. I think a lot of people are bad about, you know, where you, you make very egocentric assumptions a lot of times when somebody like likes or dislikes something that you feel the opposite about, you make like a, well, there's gotta be a reason, like there's a conspiracy here. Oh yeah, there's a psychological term for it. It's uh, it's built into the human brain. I think it's called a negativity bias, but it's the human instinct to ascribe negative motivations to anything anyone does that displeases you. Yeah, as, as opposed to just, they liked it and I didn't, or they didn't like it and I did, you know, which is, a more chaotic, I think, understanding. I think in some ways we want to Da Vinci code our own life where it's like anything that there's like an issue. It's like, well, it's got to be this evil organization behind it all. You know, this shadowy cabal of forces. You know, I'm on the Truman Show and everybody is gaslighting me. We have a weird natural inclination and I do especially. And my fallback plan for the year is I feel like there's a lot of really unremarkable white men make out there making a lot of hay about like drag shows or whatever. So I'm going to go into like right wing grifting uh, if things don't start working out. I feel like I'm way more entertaining than most of these dudes. I feel like I could do it a lot better. And uh, my first target, not cancelization, because I don't like that, but my first target is, uh, why are we letting Robin Williams get away with, with dressing up like a woman in Mrs. Doubtfire? <laughs> what about Jack Lemmon? Huh? Who's your audience for that one? Dustin Hoffman's still alive. I can get his ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Don't make a deal with the devil on that. I don't know if you want to go down that route. It's funny you say that because these places are all very religious and they would say it's a deal with God. So, Yeah, but look what happens to these people. Alex Jones, Steve Bannon this morning was doubling down on like backing the rioters in Brazil. I just got to get out before that. I don't, but, but don't you think they thought so? I mean, these guys, Steve Bannon was a decorated West Point veteran. You know what? You know what, Craig? I think you're right. I think it might be a bad idea, yeah. actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I took it seriously. Forgive me. But uh, you can follow my descent, my ascent onto the Daily Wire at twitch.tv slash Connor Cruz and watch me play D&D Tuesday evenings, twitch.tv slash NerdHala. I got a revolution. Resolution. Yeah. A revolutionary resolution. Do it. Well, one, start a revolution, make a picture, take down Craig Hamill. No, I'm just kidding. Beside the, sec the second thing. I have two goals. One, to get to a thousand movies. Watch. Since I did 700, I feel like I could do better than that. And second, get my picture made. Last of the greats. Shooting at the, around the Seeking Movie Club Theater, where I still need to talk to you about that. Because, <laughs> one, you shot around your area without any per Well, no, you, you did. You did shoot with, with a permit. I permitted yeah. the F out of the movie, homie. And, and I'm so glad. I, and I had cops on this. Well, guess what, Craig? This picture, no permits. Gorilla style. Casavetti style. Let's see how that goes for you. You better not charge me a fee when I shoot outside the club. Edwin, as a working producer in television, we should chat. <laughs> there are ways you can do things at a very affordable rate as a low budget uh, short film. I got a second what Daniel said. I went through Film LA, man, and I got to shoot in amazing locations downtown, and I didn't really, relative to the budget we had, it was not exorbitant. Well, anyway. Yeah, you don't know. Edwin, they're not going to charge you the same cost they charge Marvel Studios to shoot the same location. I'll help you out, Edwin. There's some stuff you can do that's not crazy that'll let you do what you want without having to make sacrifices because you'll have permission. Well, the whole setting of the picture takes place in the Arts District. 
And one, I wrote it around the freaking club because that's the only way I could get away with it. That's smart. It's like the whole place to me, the whole art district feels like a western town to me. I don't know why. It just feels like an old, abandoned western town that's just colorful now. But hopefully I get that off the ground, get that going soon, make the pictures, shoot it on 60mm film. You know, and also get more posters as well. <laughs> and, you know, just uh, take over the world with uh, making pictures. And also, hopefully, to premiere it at the Hollywood Legion. Hopefully, that's a that's a big one I want because I love that theater. Not at the, not at the theater you're shooting in early. I know. This is what I'm talking about, zenning it out. I spent the last half of 2022, after not doing it since I was a teenager, I got back into therapy. And it was one of the greatest things I could have done for myself. I highly recommend giving it a go. I'm, I'm looking forward to this year. I'm kind of anti-resolutions. I like to just, if I think I like want to start something, though I, I do think a date is good. Finding a balance of how, like a split between, I mean, I guess that's what everyone says, work and, and time, but kind of figuring out, like, as Connor alluded to, like figure, making sure that you're spending time doing the things that are important creatively is a big thing for me this year. I was low on movies last year and I, the cinema is church and I'd like to, to commune more with other believers. I also have to say no, my other resolution at the recommendation of my therapist is to say no to more things because I um, overbook myself to absurd levels. And I think you should get really buff. Maybe maybe that'd be that'd be just a funny bit. I won't say it as a resolution. Like Dave, Dave Batista. I'll just I'll just get ripped for next year. So the first podcast of next year, I'll be. We would definitely out of the four of us. If we all got really buff, you would be the most intimidating. You oh, got, like, sure. Because Daniel, I'll take, you're... I'll take my glasses off. Are you shave six, my head. two six three? Six two. Six one if I'm not feeling confident. It's all about the posture. Why has, going back to therapy, why has that been a really productive, uh, why did you bring that up? If I can ask. Oh, sure. I was in therapy as a teenager and I stopped because I was made fun of, to be quite frank. And I, I think the last 10 years, the taboo around it has really disappeared in a way. You know, it's such a tough thing because like it's you know health insurance. There's so many factors of how you can ex- access this thing. But if, if you're able to give it a go, I think prioritizing your mental health, even if it's not like I'm not necessarily like depressed, but having an outlet that's not a friend, I think that's important. You need to sort of working through things. It's more of a thing of figuring out like, oh, I do this thing because of this thing. And you talk yourself through that, which is the most interesting. But I found it to be very valuable because having a, a clearer view of self and being in a, a better headspace in that world, I think moves over into your work and your friends and your family and your art in ways that are really nice. It's been lovely. I'm, I'm very pro. Give it a go if, if, you're, if you're able. My therapy is in the theaters. I, I just wanted to ask you, Daniel, because um, I think about it a lot. If more people understood that therapy was really an option for them, whether it was group therapy or one-on-one therapy, for something that's really weighing them down, that would be really helpful to the world and really helpful to a lot of people in their mental health. And, and I think what you're saying about removing the stigma, you know, one of the things that helped me to contextualize the importance of therapy was I thought, think about all these men and women coming back from war and not having anyone they can really explain the experience they had to. And if they had a group session or a trained therapist, a good trained therapist, they could probably find tools that no one in their day-to-day life might be able to help them with. And it might help them reacclimate into society or if someone's feeling depression or if someone doesn't even know what they're feeling uh, and they can work that out. Tools is, I think, is the key word there. I think for me, it's not even thinking that there's necessarily a thing wrong. I think it's often looked at as like, I have to write this wrong 
Whereas it's more of like this very healthy, in my experience, a very healthy tool that kind of helps me figure out the day-to-day in ways that I wasn't before. And that, I think it expounds from that to be beneficial. And um, it's, it's one of those things where I feel like it's in destigmatizing, if you talk about it in a positive light of the reason that you need it, that's maybe not the typical thing. You know, you talk about it enough, it starts to feel like a, just a thing. Because I had every excuse for 10 years of why not, you know, not good health insurance. I don't want to, I can't spend the time. And so I, last year was finally like, I, I say that. And then I say that it's a good thing. And then I don't put my money where my mouth is. And so, yeah. My thinking for 2023 is pretty simple. Uh, you know, it's funny. I once read in, in our crest, the Hamill crest, that the Hamill motto, um, and we're Gaelic. I'm sure that no surprise to anybody, Irish and Scottish and all that. But the motto is to be rather than to seem. And uh, I love that motto. For me, it's about doing the best I can with the Afterworld game and getting that feature done the right way and also doing right by everybody who's worked hard on it. Making sure Secret Movie Club is as strong as it can be so we can really grow. That means a lot of hard work, uh, really hard work, uh, <laughs> making tough decisions and trying to become an adult about business you know, and making changes earlier than later. It's not enough to say, I need to make this change <laughs> or it would be helpful to do this. You have to do it. And then you begin the really hard process of, oh, well, that didn't work and experimenting and trial and error. And uh, that's life. So I want to make the best movie that I can make. I want Secret Movie Club to be on as much of terra firma as it can be on. Because as we've always said, I mean, you guys have given a lot of time to Secret Movie Club. Many people not here on the podcast out. And I want to make sure that for the audience and for the team that it continues to grow and be an exciting thing. And maybe in some ways for me personally, most importantly, I, I want to be a truly present and good father and husband and family member and person. Because I really do think it begins with that. Uh, I think you have to start there if you want your art and what you do to really embody and irradiate that, it has to be an inner thing that irradiates out. So it really has to start there. So uh, on that note, join us for a Secret Movie Club podcast 135 next week, which will be about every 10 years, the British Sight and Sound, the BFI, the British Film Institute, through their magazine Sight and Sound, puts out a top 10 movies of all time list. And everybody was shocked, both for good and bad, depending on who they were. Some people went off on Twitter and other people were elated that number one was not Orson Welles' Citizen Kane, which had held that post for a few decades, not Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo, which displaced Citizen Kane in 2012, but uh, Chantal Ackerman's Jean Dielman, a three-hour, 21-minute movie, Belgium movie, made by an LGBTQ female uh, filmmaker, uh, the daughter of uh, concentration camp survivors, about a housewife, and we'll get into it, but for three hours and 20 minutes, you watch three days of her daily routine. She's a single mother, her husband's died, and it builds to something which uh, we will get into. So if you don't want to hear it, don't listen to the podcast next week until you see it. But uh, we will talk about that. We're also going to talk about the sight and sound poll and its meaning or non-meaning to cinema. And we're going to present our own top tens. Somehow 
in an hour. So uh, it's a pretty heady thing to get into, but but listen to that. You can check out everything we're doing at secretmovieclub.com. Uh, get tickets at Eventbrite. Uh, write us at community at secretmovieclub.com. We have two folks who are always answering emails there, so we're pretty responsive. As always, this episode was edited by our Chief Creative Content Officer, Connor Lloyd Cruz. Thank you for sticking with us uh, into 2023. Let's just do our best uh, to make something of the time universe allows us so here we go 2023 here we come thank you guys see you next week i love you (laughs) this year i refer to you as lloyd caesar and Calvin. Perfect. And I'm Bert. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be Daniel still? I, well, I'm just I'm just flipping it. And Edwin has to call me Bert all year. Yeah, you ain't no Bert. You ain't no Bert. Right? I am legally Bert. No, you got to suck on that and deal with no, it. No. Hey, your parents didn't name you Bert. My parents named me Bert. That's a movie, Legally Bert. I'm Legally Bert, homie. If I saw Bert Reynolds, he was still alive, I'd be like from one Bert to another. And we would hug and you would go like fire red, like a no. Looney Tunes cartoon. No. No. And you would stop. I'm Legally Bert as a sitcom. <laughs> legally Bert. And Edwin's the next door neighbor who keeps trying to legally change my name. It's a Legally Blonde spinoff. Legally Bert. Edwin, you just saw it. I'm starring in it. Legally no, Bert, no. starring Bert Hamill. God, no, no. You, you don't deserve. Name. You don't deserve Edwin, to have that guy's Edwin, name. That's my name, Bert Hamill. Legally, that's my name. Hey, you, you can suck it. Sons of bitches. I think he's a f- Bert Reynolds. Son of a bitch. Wow, Edwin's talking to himself. Yosemite Sam style. Hate all you people. <laughs> scum. That's all you are. Scum. Edwin, oh, you always take it to 15.